welcome to the Lifestyled Podcast. My name is Erin and I'm your host. You might know me from my YouTube channel or my blog by Erin Elizabeth. In this podcast, we're going to be having genuine and candid conversations with real people discussing a whole bunch of lifestyle topics, including everything from style and beauty to wellness and career to hopefully inspire you and empower you to live life your way. So with that said, let's jump on into today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode I am very excited for. So I'm sitting down with Alyssa Beltempo who does content creation around slow fashion and sustainable fashion. And when I started my podcast, she was someone who I knew I had to have on the show just to sit down and have that conversation about, you know, building a more sustainable wardrobe and what slow fashion really means and all of that jazz. So I really enjoyed this conversation. It was good to just chat it out with someone who has amazing values when it comes to when it comes to just fashion and clothing and really being mindful of what you're bringing in and intentional with your shopping. So yeah, I hope you'll enjoy the conversation. It's it's a good one. So without further ado, let's jump on into the conversation. So thank you so much, Alyssa, for coming on the podcast. You were one of the people who, when I started my podcast, I was like, yes, I have to interview Alyssa because your content is just killer. And I know you've had an interesting career journey too. So there was kind of two ways I wanted to take this interview. It was based on your career journey as a whole and also talking about sustainability in fashion because that is your main topic of your content. So I'd love if we could just start off with you, you know, giving us a little background on yourself and where you come from, what you do, a little history on your career journey to how you got to where you are now. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. First of all, this is so exciting. I'm really happy that you've started a podcast because as I mentioned, we were chatting before and I, I just love your content. So oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Like, and, and before I started the channel, I was watching yours. And um, so thank you for the big compliment. It, a lot of it is inspiration from you. So, Aww, <laughs> uh, yeah. So nice. um, right. So, uh, good question. I will try to make it not too long. Um, I actually started out in finance, like in university. I got a finance degree and worked in international banking for three years out of university, I would say, always knowing that finance wasn't probably really my thing. So after three years, I left to manage a luxury footwear boutique because I always thought I wanted to open my own store or something like that, but I had no retail experience. So that was probably a good logical step. I did that for three years. And then at the end of that, that's where I learned actually a lot about how to dress people and how to identify quality and everything. Um, And at the same time, I had moved into from a house into a very small condo with my husband. And at the end of that, I, I even left the retail boutique to uh, work freelance as a fashion stylist. Uh, And then I ended up doing some writing as well. But all of those things, like moving into a smaller place, cutting my income like in half, (laughs) and also becoming a stylist and working closer with clothes really shifted my perspective in terms of how I consume clothing and how I saw women consuming clothing. Um, or people in general, because I worked with men a little bit too. 
So all of those, it was more like a situational thing that really brought me to focusing more on sustainable fashion or slow fashion, because I was just, I had to be so picky about what I put in my closet from both a financial and just space perspective. Um, and I was, especially on the large commercial shoots, like people often think that fashion styling is very glamorous, but like really, oh, you're yeah. just, you've done this, I think, right? Like yeah. you're hauling like 80 garment bags of clothing. And it just, I saw that there was a huge disconnect between when I was doing some personal styling at the same time, like women saying, oh, I have nothing to wear. But then I would go into these shopping centers and find racks upon racks of everything. cheap clothing and everything. And it just, mm -hmm. uh, it was weird. So uh, I, sh I started to shift my, I had like a very unsuccessful blog, I think <laughs> at the time. Um, and I really shifted my focus to, to slow fashion and helping women shop less and love their closets more. Um, and then when I started that focus, and I think maybe a year or so after that, I started the YouTube channel. It's, it'll be three years ago in October. That seems, it seems like that topic really, I think women just wanted to hear about that topic. Um, so then the, the channel grew really quickly. And now I find myself doing content creation, like 60 to 70% of the time. And I have two or three freelancing clients who I still write for and do wardrobe styling for, but it's, it's really shifted. So mm -hmm. that, that what you were looking for. Yeah, no, like that's really interesting. Cause I feel like a lot of people often think you start out and you're just doing something, but your you know, your schooling background is completely different to what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I'm just obsessed with hearing people's stories because mine was very nonlinear. Also, I kind of hopped around and it's like, with each job you pick up or with each different thing you do, you learn what you like and what you don't like. And that kind yes. of pushes you on to the next thing and how yours is just so interesting. It's like things that were happening in your life as well as what pushed you into the sustainable mindset with having, you know, lower income and having that smaller space. And that leads you to, okay, I'm going to start doing more sustainable related content yes. or whatever the case is. So I find that also so fascinating. So you're doing styling. Are you primarily doing that in Ottawa? Yeah. Which is crazy because like, I think people think there's no, yeah, no, I, for that. it's interesting <laughs> because I, I was going to ask you like for someone who does live in say a smaller city or a not so fashion forward city, because Ottawa is not typically known for its fashion compared to like Toronto or Montreal or something like that. So do you have any tips or suggestions for anyone who might be living in a smaller city or somewhere that isn't as fashion forward, how they could do freelance styling or get into that world? Yeah, that's that's a great, great question. Um, I think I was really lucky in the sense that I think I just knew the right people. Mm. Um, but I think the first thing is, is you kind of have to start doing it yourself. So whether it's, you know, I started just by asking friends and family if I could like go into their closets and help them recreate outfits and things like that but I also connected with a local photographer who was also just starting at the time um, so him and I worked together once and it worked out really well so I think creating almost your own portfolio it's almost like you have to create the need yourself yeah I think so uh, working with friends and family creating that that first little experience for them and then normally they'll tell other people if the experience is good like you have to work really really hard um, and also I'm trying to think yeah it was really the people I knew and uh, even like the local shopping center like it was um, mm. I did personal styling for a shopping center and that only happened because I volunteered 
to style a, fa- a local fashion show. Yeah. So I think definitely volunteering and creating your own opportunities. Like maybe you host your own fashion show, like offer to do it in the local boutique. And then, you know, you might have people coming in like clients of the boutique wanting to do your own closet and things like that. Um, and I think definitely looking for like-minded people in your community, whether they're photographers or creatives, like even if it's a graphic designer, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be in fashion because I think those people can also give you opportunities. Like it was really the photographer who who has given me a lot of opportunities uh, now. And it's not like, and I have to say in Ottawa, it's not the type of fashion styling that you would see for editorial magazines. Like a lot of it is very dry, like government. Yeah. Get your international visa. So you're dressing people in like button down shirts and khakis. <laughs> Yeah, but it's still styling. And it, yeah. yeah, and it, it pays. Those are actually the jobs that pay. So yeah. yeah, it's all about meeting people, I guess, at the end of the day and like putting mm-hmm. yourself out there, trying to network as much as possible. And yeah. when you're styling, are you, you're bringing your own clothing to the shoots or you're like reaching out to boutiques and stuff like that? Yeah, I reached out to retailers. And again, that's like, you have to really establish trust with them. So that was kind of difficult at first, but then if you do a good job, on your first shoot and you show them that clothes come back, you know, in perfect, perfect condition, or you, you understand that you're responsible for the clothing, right? Like it's, it's very nerve wracking to be a stylist, I think, in a city where showrooms aren't really an option because where it's just sample clothing. So it doesn't matter if it shows a little bit of wear and tear. So yeah, it's a lot of reaching out and it's a lot of proving, it's a lot of proving yourself uh, that you can do a good job and that you're responsible and organized first. It's And then, I mean, obviously you can use, like I ended up using my own clothes quite a bit as often as I could to reduce yeah. the amount of clothes that I had to pull from boutiques and things. There's there's quite a lot of risk involved at first. Yeah, because I was going to say I did one styling gig a few years ago. Um, yeah. One of the only ones I've ever done because the opportunity just presented itself. So I'm like, oh, hey, sure, why yeah. not? Yeah. And I was reaching out to a local boutique and they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Like you can come in and pull some clothes whatever so I went in I looked at all the clothes and I emailed them back I'm like these are the clothes that I'd love to pull and I ended up getting completely ghosted by them (laughs) and it was like a day before the thing (gasps) that I had to do and I was like oh my gosh what am I gonna do that's so stressful what did you do stressful I ended up just running to the mall and like pulling things and buying it and then returning but I kept a couple things for myself I ended up returning everything because I was like oh my gosh but yeah just the the heart attack I was about to have from all of that yeah I bet (laughs) I know it's so stressful like this yeah it's so stressful especially when you're starting but I have and like sometimes you do have to do buy and return as well like yeah just do what you can fake it till you make it kind of thing until you end up making those relationships and have that trust yeah so I'd love to get into talking about sustainability because I know you're very passionate about that and that's something I've become a lot more passionate about in the past couple Mm -hmm. years as well um I feel like you've been talking about this so much longer than the rest of the world has (laughs) like when yeah when did you start getting into more sustainable fashion and were you always this way um I know you mentioned how you sort of shifted because of your lifestyle but were you the type of person who was a shopaholic before or was that never really your way it's so weird it's like I'm such a conundrum uh 
I've been, I'm trying to think when, I think it was like 2015 or 2016 that I really made the shift to start talking about sustainable fashion. Yeah, because I think it would, yeah, I started the channel end of 2017. So it was about 2015, 2016. Um, as, as, as for always being a shopaholic, it's weird. Like you, I kind of went through phases, but at the core, no, definitely not. Like I grew up like my whole thing around sustainability, which I think a lot of people still don't focus enough on, uh, especially when it comes to sustainable fashion, is the whole point of using what you already have. Like, this has always been my focus, whereas a lot of other, and there's nothing wrong with it at all. Like, we need everyone in every part of the space. Um, But a lot of uh, ethical fashion bloggers or people, sustainable fashion influencers, I hate using that term, uh, Mm -hmm. there's a big focus on shopping ethically or shopping only from ethically made ethical boutiques and sustainable boutiques um but that's why I really like to focus on using what you have because there's no financial barrier like you literally just have to get creative with what's already in your closet yeah and I think that's something that has always been a part of my life like I remember going grocery shopping with my mom (laughs) and I'd be like I want these cookies and she'd be like oh but we have everything we need to make those at home like we're gonna go home and make them I'm not gonna buy you those so like hearing that kind of thing even in in the context of grocery shopping I think kind of gets ingrained in you so I was never one to like splurge on things you don't need yeah yeah but when I was working in finance like I was making really great money at a young age so I did definitely go through a period and my husband at that time also was like a big consumer like he liked to buy like a new swimsuit every season. Whereas in my family, it's like, why? You have one swimsuit, like, that's great. Wear it until it falls apart. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we're not into, we never were into the replacing or buying something just because it's a new season. Mm -hmm. So I went through kind of a mentality shift in that, like, I had, I had money, I had a job, so I had to look presentable every day. So I did definitely become maybe not a shopaholic, but I would shop a lot. Uh, in my early 20s, a lot secondhand, like I would go to secondhand stores, and I'd come back with like 10 things, which is like wild, but at least it was secondhand. But definitely, I went through a period in my early 20s where I just wanted to look like what the cool girl who worked in the office looked like or wore like I, I really didn't have my own sense of style either, which I think is a big part of of slow fashion as well and being a more conscious consumer so yeah there was definitely a period where I probably I definitely shopped too much and mindlessly like without any intention yeah I was kind of the same especially Mm -hmm. in my early 20s as well I don't know if it's just that age feeling like you need to keep up or look your best or whatever it is but yeah I used to go shopping and buy things and wear it once and have my photo taken in it like at the bar with my friends and then I'd be like okay I can't wear that top again because I already had pictures (laughs) (laughs) which is such a bad mindset to have. One of your posts that you posted recently on Instagram that I really, really liked was about you wearing a blazer. I feel like it was from Club Monaco or something. Yes. And you were saying how you wouldn't necessarily shop there today as your values don't align or whatever the reasons are, Mm -hmm. but you're not just going to toss it away or give it away because 
because of that, the most no. sustainable thing to do is to keep that blazer and yeah. wear it yes. <laughs> like you already own it. So I'd yeah. love if you could speak a little bit more on that. Yeah. Well, I think it, uh, I think it goes back to that point of whenever people think of sustainable fashion or, or having a sustainable closet or wardrobe, they immediately think, okay, everything I own from Forever 21 or H&M or whatever is horrible and I need to get rid of it. And I could only shop from now on at ethical brands. And then they think immediately, oh my God, but these pants cost like $250. I'm not saying, I think this is also a misconception about ethical shopping. There, there are great affordable options out there, but the price point is higher because you're actually paying for the true value of the product. Yeah. So people know that they want to be more mindful consumers, but I think that that mindset shift to making perhaps different types of purchases is a big barrier for them. I really, really try just bring home the point that like being a mindful consumer is for every financial position, every lifestyle, every body, every culture. Like it's just you don't have to shop ethically. Not well, yes. Okay, sorry, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Not that you don't have to shop ethically, but if you don't have access to certain sustainable quote unquote brands and all you can do is shop at an H&M or Forever 21, just buy one piece then and treat yeah. it with the same care and love that you would treat a blazer that you paid $500 for. Like it's about the maintenance and, and I think as consumers as a whole, sending the message to brands that we don't want to buy 10 tops. We just want to buy one. Yeah. Like just buy one. You don't need a thousand. So I think I just, it was really, that post was really about, about encouraging people to not discount the clothes they already have in their closet just because they're from brand, brand. or why. Yeah. yeah. Like, love what you have, love yeah. what you have. Sorry. And I completely agree with that because I have pieces that have been in my wardrobe for almost a decade from places like Forever 21 or H&M, places like that. And it's, I think it all comes down to buying with intention. If you're mm -hmm. buying something that you know you're going to wear year after year, that's a quality basic or something like that, buy it and keep it forever. Yes. And like you said, you know, treat it as you want to keep it forever. Don't treat it as something that's disposable because exactly. that's just contributing to the problem. Yeah. That was actually one of my questions for you too, which you kind of touched on in the last, um, the last answer there was how do you feel about people buying from places that are, you know, not as good quote unquote, if that is within their budget or their price point, I don't know for me, cause I, you know, I've bought bodysuits from Zara within the last year, but I know I bought them knowing I would keep them for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about stuff like that? Yeah, I think I like the biggest thing for me is that I, I don't want people to feel shame or that they're judged for shopping at these places. Mm -hmm. um, like, like I would never get angry or at someone or make them feel bad. Hopefully I don't uh, for shopping at a fast fashion or, or an irresponsible retailer. Again, I think it's really about, about encouraging, like you said, the shopping with intention, like yeah. picking the classic pieces seeking out the well-made pieces which are fewer and, and further between but there are like you said like and I still have like an H&M piece from years ago that is holding up okay so it's it's less about feeling shame or judged for shopping at these places and more about about really a first thinking of your alternatives like 
can I borrow this top from a friend? Although with COVID, maybe you wouldn't, I'd like the whole secondhand is like, I still shop secondhand. I think it's fine. Yeah, but, same. You know, um, but what are, what are my other alternatives? Do I already have something like this? Can I buy it secondhand? But yeah, if, if you have to, I, I don't shop there anymore because, but that's because I have the time to do research. I have the time to, to shop secondhand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm in a very privileged position of also having this platform where sustainable brands will send me things. Like not yeah. everyone has those, those opportunities. So I don't think you can fault people for working within their means. What is it that you you can control? Like, okay, fine. You can only afford H&M and you only have the time to shop at a place where everything is really easy for you to spot. Great. But but once you're in there, go in with intention, know exactly what you need and make decisions that will will allow you to be a more conscious consumer on that end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Because also it's like, I, I think maybe this is oversimplification, but I feel like I would hope that retailers, if they see our consumption reducing, that they're going to reduce their production also. Yeah, like, that's what I kind of hope too. And it's like, people are talking about this a lot more now. People are talking about mm-hmm. sustainable fashion. They want this, they want more of that capsule wardrobe so it's like I feel the fast fashion brands have to start adapting at some point they Mm -hmm. have to really start making an effort you know into where they're getting their materials from and less wastage and all of this stuff because that's what people want I mean we've seen the same thing with the the whole vegan and vegetarian movement as well and all of these bigger brands are now adapting and coming out with a a vegan burger and things like that so I hope that will eventually come to play in the fashion industry. Yeah. Um, it's just whatever, you know, where the money goes is where people go. So people really need to vote with their wallet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Decide on on where you want to spend your money. And if if people are, you know, buying less from fast fashion, then maybe they will slow down their cycles. Don't have, you know, new friggin' mm. clothing every week. Every week. Yeah. Maybe do a season like spring and summer yes. and then fall and winter. Leave it at that. Yeah. For anyone listening who, you know, might just be starting on a path to building a more sustainable wardrobe or wanting to introduce that into their their wardrobe and their lifestyle, what would be a good place to start? Uh well, uh definitely your closet. Like yes. <laughs> start in your closet and I think a lot of people probably even that is overwhelming for them because if you're someone who's collected a lot of clothes and accumulated a lot of clothes and maybe it doesn't reflect your personal style, that's a bit tough. Um, but I think start with your closet and uh, I would recommend doing an audit of sorts and not necessarily going through and just like decluttering everything for the sake of decluttering, whether it be for like, oh, you want to go capsule or minimalist or, oh, you want to get rid of all of the fast fashion stuff in your closet because it doesn't align with your values. Like really look look beyond just the clothing and integrate questions about your personal style, your lifestyle, your climate, um, and, and really figure out, okay, what are the colors that I like? What are the silhouettes that I like? What are the fabrics that I like to wear? And, and not cull your wardrobe, but really audit your wardrobe that way and see, and you'll be able to figure out really how much of your closet is actually serving you. Because there's, I think, I think it's like we wear 20% of our closets 80% of the time, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. (laughs) So, So I think the first thing is like, don't even think about shopping yet. Like find what it is you love in your closet 
and then um, see, see what it's like just living with those pieces and identify the gaps and uh, make, make yourself a list so that when you go out, you're not buying whatever you saw on a mannequin or a recent celebrity or whatever, or even whatever you think is trendy, because that's not you. A, it's not your personal style. Um, and B, it's, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like kind of going back to what I said about your personal style being a huge factor in slow fashion and having a sustainable closet like it seems a bit frivolous but it really it really helps so I have like I have a little free download which is a closet audit so it runs through like all the questions you should ask yourself or all the ways that you can really analyze your closet and see how it's working for you Um, and then that way you can go out and shop with with intention knowing that what you're going to buy is actually going to serve you yeah I love that well when I sort of went on minute with minimizing my wardrobe, mm-hmm. that was one thing I learned big time was what I actually really liked and wore the most of within my closet. Mm-hmm. And that made me, that allowed me to purchase more with intention in the future as well, because I was like, okay, I love wearing turtlenecks and mock necks and things like that. Those are the tops right. I always get the most wear out of winter and summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those are things I'm going to continuously, you know, work in with my wardrobe because I know I'm comfortable in them and I'm going to get a lot of wear out of them. So it's, yeah, once you figure out those things that you really, really like, it makes it so much easier from there, but you can't do that without doing that audit with your wardrobe. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise you're just going in blind. Completely agree. And you can admire people's style and stuff like that. But even when I am admiring someone's style, I could be like, oh, that looks amazing on them. But I know that wouldn't work for me because I don't like wearing something like this or whatever the case is. So yeah, figuring it out from the start is the best way to go about it. I think Mm. I kind of touched on it earlier in the episode, I guess, how I, well, I was a major, major shopaholic Mm. in my earlier twenties. I buy everything, just wear it once and then be on to the next thing that I feel like got worse as I started getting into content creation and into Mm. blogging, which was in my mid twenties, because I really felt that pressure of having to keep up and having to constantly photograph different outfits. And a lot of the times I was just you know, getting things or wearing things just for a photo once again. And then I'd be like, okay, I already wore it in these photos. I can't take it again. I already blogged about these outfits, which is so, so crazy. But then I fell into a hole of like minimalism videos on YouTube and I got sucked in and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a whole other way of living. This is amazing. And I just felt so exhausted from trying to keep up with all of the the clothing and the fashion all the time and I was like this is so unsustainable just for like your average person like nobody's wearing different outfits every single day right yeah and that's when I started shifting gears in my content shifting gears in my life in general how do you feel about the whole influencer world when it comes to fashion and sustainability and all of that oh I don't know I think I wanted to watch your video because I think you did a video about that and I haven't watched it yet it's on my queue oh (laughs) yes 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 (laughs) I really want to watch that our influencers Um, ruining fashion yeah yeah. um I don't know it's funny because now I only the influencers I follow are all within my circle so Mm. I'm like this is great everyone's like talking about sustainability and fashion and then and then like I don't see the 
influencers who are who are still doing that like are there the still over a consumption lot of them? oh my gosh so many it's because I used to follow or I still kind of do like I just you know I'll click here and there but a lot yeah. of the bigger influencers who are you know upwards towards a million yeah. followers and they yeah this one girl I've been watching well I, I don't watch her much anymore just because she'd like redecorated her house like 18 times since you know the start of the year and I'm just like where is all of your furniture and things going, going? <laughs> oh, man. and it just I don't know to me that doesn't sit right like this is nobody's reality no just putting things you know that you don't want anymore it's just like in with the new out with the old after just a couple of months yeah so oh that's yeah. crazy okay so I mean so, yeah I there's think... definitely a lot of that <laughs> damn it Aaron. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not good. However, and again, this is probably my own little bubble. I thought that people were moving away from, I'm using Instagram primarily, but now that you mention it too, like even TikTok is probably full of people being like, wear it once, whatever. Yeah, and it's the um, younger generation on there too, yes. right? which is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I, I think it's this, it's a horrible mindset. But I think what bothers me even more, I don't know if I don't want this is like not to, to, to judge or make anyone feel bad, like people have to make money. And this is how it is. But my biggest worry is that brands who are greenwashing or want to jump on the sustainability train are targeting influencers who they know won't ask the questions about their sustainable practices. Mm. So these big brands get these big influencers to be like, oh my God, brand X is sustainable. I love them. They save the polar bears, wear it. Yeah. And so these massive audiences are being tricked into thinking that a certain product is sustainable because, and this isn't to knock the influencers. This is just, it's just not how they, I guess, operate. Like, so, and they think they're doing good for the environment because the brand tells them it's sustainable, but they don't come back with any, with any questions that, you know, myself or another, someone like Camille Shane or something would come back with and be like, okay, but what do you mean by this? And what do you mean by this? And like, why aren't you talking about where these things are made? So I think, to be honest, I think that's my biggest worry when it comes to, I think those bigger, uh, the bigger fashion influencers, or even, or even those who are like, they'll do a capsule wardrobe, but then you'll still see them purchasing new things. Like every season, their capsule wardrobe is a whole bunch of new items, Mm, which isn't necessarily the the good behind it. Like that's not really how capsule wardrobes are supposed to work. Yeah. So I, I think my biggest worry is about, is about misinformation that is I think primarily coming from brands who just want to jump on the sustainability bandwagon and they're using these, these influencers to, to do it. And it's, I, you know what, it's not the fault of the influencer. They're just doing their job. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the thing, I guess, well, in the past couple of years, I mean, this whole industry has just exploded, right? So, and now that there's so much more money involved, um, but yeah, my video on the, oh, what was it called? Oh, our influencers ruining fashion. I was talking a lot about the designer brands and how a lot of these designer brands gift out their brand new bags or whatever to a lot of these bigger influencers and it's like you see this brand new I'll just use like Louis Vuitton as an example Mm -hmm. see all these new these big influencers with this brand new Louis Vuitton bag they're wearing it for you know a couple weeks a month and then all of a sudden the next brand ships out their brand new bag and all these girls are wearing the new designer bag 
And to me, it's like, okay, now, honestly, designer fashion feels a little more disposable. It feels like everybody has these bags and it's like, what's the appeal now that everybody has it and the fact that they're being turned over so quickly. Quickly. Yes, you're so right. Oh gosh, this is probably the point you were getting at. And I went on a crazy tangent. No, 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 no. That was just one of the points I made in my video. Yeah. Yes, but that's a great, and that's absolutely a great point. And you're so right because I remember, I remember a couple of times, like maybe a year or so ago when that was really starting to become a thing was thinking like, oh, wow, that is a beautiful designer bag. But then you see so much of it. And I think this happens on every level, even on the, you know, middle, middle retailers and less expensive retail level, like, because everything gets copied so quickly, it's like you lose the art behind the design and that, that specialness about the piece. Yeah. You, you hit it on the head. Exactly. Yeah. It just goes away quicker. Like I'm just thinking as an example, those Gucci loafers, remember they were like hot, hot, hot. And every fast fashion brand was coming out with them as well. And it's like, then where's the appeal since every single person and their mother is wearing these shoes. And um, what's another one? Oh, the Gucci belt, same thing. Like everybody's got it. And now it's like, you know, no one wears it anymore. So that's a whole thing that just quickly turned over. That's not a cheap item either. It's like, you know, a couple hundred dollars for a belt and nobody's wearing it anymore. So I just find that also interesting. And that's a reason why I love vintage shopping and thrift shopping because you can find those pieces that nobody else has and really work with it in your own wardrobe and make it special. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think it's true too like the going back to the whole like why knowing your your own personal style is important it's like if you like the Gucci belt like who cares you're gonna wear it in a year even if it's off trend yeah exactly wear what you like at the end of the day Mm -hmm. I just find I analyze way too much when it comes to all this stuff and I just find myself thinking about things and yeah that one I forget what other points I made in that video, but that was one of them. Like, is designer items becoming more uh, disposable? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like they are now that we see people turning through them so quickly. Yes. But yeah, just the things I watch because I still do like my discovery feed on Instagram is a lot of these bigger, you know, aspirational bloggers. So I see a lot of this stuff still. I need to, I feel like I need to do a little cleanse on my Instagram. (laughs) I need to get in your bubble on there. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. They're great. (laughs) So far anyway. I mean, you still see certain things and you know what, there are still some of those aspirational bloggers who I still follow because their style is, is good. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of of picking what you like. And Mm -hmm. so do you think that the younger generations will follow in the overly consumer consumerized world? Or do you think that they'll kind of, you know, pave their own way and be more into secondhand? Because I'm on TikTok. I don't post a lot on there, but Mm. I like to watch. It takes forever to post like five seconds on TikTok. It's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy being entertained on there though. Yes, me too. I see a lot of the younger kids on TikTok actually pushing the more like shop secondhand first and avoid fast fashion. So do you think like, because people now are talking about it so much that it's, you know, the generations coming up, it'll be a lot better moving forward. I hope so. I think so. I think, uh, again, it could be the bubble that I'm in, but I think I did read a statistic where it was a pretty solid, oh, I wish I could remember it. It was a pretty solid percentage of Gen Zers and millennials who would purchase an item if it were, if it meant it had a, like a, a lesser carbon footprint or that it was better for the environment. So uh, I, 
I definitely think the younger generations are more aware. I mean, that could be just being optimistic too. But no, I think the same thing, honestly, because yes, I've been eh? surprised seeing some stuff on TikTok. I'm like, okay, maybe we are like yeah. moving forward in a positive right. way. I'm sure there's always going to be those people in life who value materialistic things yes. and, you know, love that lifestyle. Yeah. That'll never go away, I'm sure. No. But I think for the most part, yeah, people are a little getting, bit of a shift, which is a good thing for sure. Yeah, definitely. What are some of your favorite sustainable brands to shop at? Oh, or to wear? I love well, secondhand, I don't know if that counts, but definitely like I love the real real. Mm, um, yeah, I've, I've had some good finds on there. The import duties are tough though, like you get pretty slammed, especially it sucks <laughs> being in Canada sometimes. <laughs> It's like, oh, what a steal. And then it's like transferred from American dollars to Canadian and then the customs and you're like, okay, never mind. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I feel like it is worth it though. Like, Mm -hmm. but you have to be, yeah, it it really, you have to to expect those extra charges. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, You have to like add those to your budget. Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely love, I love power of my people. They're this great. There's the shirt I'm wearing today, this awesome Canadian brand in BC. Mm. Um, They only make shirts. I think they've just started into pants recently but I really like how they've stuck to like their the what works for them their core pieces like they haven't tried to to branch out and be all things to all people Um, they use all really great natural fibers and things so I really like them Mm. I love organic basics they're based in Denmark Mm -hmm. their workout sets yes yeah Mm -hmm. so good right Mm -hmm. um and they're very genuine and authentic um so I really like working with them who else I'll probably like get off this podcast and be like like, oh "Oh, so many yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know but I think those are yeah power of my people and organic basics are are some of my favorite I think and uh there's a really cool check out the what is it power of people Power of my people. Yeah. I have to check really them out. Cool. Oh, and Encircled too. I like their stuff as well. They're Canadian also. Mm. Uh, the CEO is also like from a finance consulting background. Oh, so no way. Yeah, I really like her. Uh, and their pieces are like oh, so soft. And again, like they have very small collections. And I think I think that's something too, that, that when you're looking for sustainable and ethically made brands, like it's not necessarily about... Like if you look at Reformation, like, yes, they're using recycled fabrics. I love their their stuff's beautiful, Mm -hmm. but they were coming out with new product all the time, which to me is, was counter to being a mindful consumer. So Mm. I don't know, like you can't win. I think you really have to choose your values when it comes to shopping with a more sustainable mindset. You you know, you do you like work with whatever works for you, but those are, yeah, I think those guys are some of my favorites. Yeah. Those are good. I can uh, link them in the show notes for people too. Yeah. And I guess before we sign off, I'd love to know some of your tips for growing on social media since you just, yeah, you're killing it. Thanks. That means a lot coming from you. Uh, Really? Um, Gosh, I honestly don't know. With YouTube, I think it was the consistency. I don't know if YouTube counts as social media, but I imagine that's... that's Yeah, I would count it as social media. Okay. Uh, So yeah, YouTube, it was the consistency. Like I literally have not not posted every Sunday at 9am since 2017, except for the times when I told people I was taking a break. Mm -hmm. Like I think it's 
super important to let your audience know, uh, if, especially if they've developed that like routine, like it's routine for me. Like I love looking at the comments at yeah. 9am on Sundays. So I think you have to be really cognizant of, of your audience uh, and and be consistent. I think consistency is like the number one thing. I feel like consistency has to be it. Even on, yeah. on Instagram, I'm not that consistent. I think a lot of I think a lot of the growth there just comes from YouTube. Yeah. I think um, with Instagram though, it's weird because there was a time where I literally posted every single day and I felt like I had yes. to post every single day. Yes. And now I, you know, miss a few days here and there. And I think I hadn't posted in like four days just now. Okay. I'm like, oh, I should probably post something. <laughs> like yeah. but I feel like it it has hasn't really affected good okay anything that much I don't know Instagram is because it's no longer chronological I don't know it's such a weird app and it's like sometimes something will explode and sometimes it's just like no one sees it it's the weirdest weirdest thing I still have yet to figure out okay okay yeah (laughs) yeah I think also especially if you're starting out I think on any platform if I think personally and this was how I approached it was that I deliver, I think you have to deliver value. Yes. Right away. Like even mm. now, like I don't think my audience is wonderful, but I don't think they want to hear about like my cat, you know, yeah. or how my week was or blah. Like I know that they come for certain information and that's what I want to provide to them. And and I I don't know. Like I always found that, that like deliver, deliver the value first and foremost, like whether it has to either be educational or, or entertaining one of the two, if you can combine them even better, (laughs) but like, otherwise I don't know, but maybe I'm old school. I don't know. No, I completely agree with you because, and I think even more so in the past few years, like people are really straying away from people. It's like, okay, what are you providing me with though? It's great to see a picture of your cat every other day or whatever, but I don't really care that much. And people are just going on social media cleanses now. So if you're not providing that value to your audience, then why are they sticking around? Because I know I've gone on an unfollowing spree in the past year or two also, and just really cleaning up my feeds. And there's always these people I know who entertain me or give me some sort of tips or whatever that I'm like, okay, you'll always like, I always love looking up to you or whatever. Yes. Um, Yeah. So I think that's really interesting, but the value. Yeah. Number one. Okay. Yeah. Value and consistency. I would say those are the best. Those are good cool. tips. Um, and yeah, before we head off, then would you want to share your social media for everyone yes. to follow along? That's so great. Thank you. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's just my name, Alyssa Beltempo. Uh, on Instagram, it's Ms. Beltempo and it's M-S, not M-I-S-S or M-I-S or anything. Ms. M-S Beltempo. Gosh, I feel like I'm not going to give anyone my TikTok handle, although yeah. everything is pretty much the same. <laughs> I'll have to follow you on TikTok. My like two followers on TikTok. I haven't posted in like a month. That's just yeah, same. <laughs> um, oh, and I guess I should tell you my website. It's www.nizbeltempo.com. Um, and I do have a monthly newsletter. I don't know if that counts. It's not really social media, but you can find the sign up on uh, on my website. Yeah, so I can link all that down below for cool. people to find it too. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Oh, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me.